Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision and our brand new season, The FinTech Fuse. This is Theo, your host for this episode. Now, one of the things I love the most about going to FinTech conferences, especially Finnovate, is that I get to meet people in real life, which is phenomenal. I mean, think about it, 2023, we actually crave face-to-face meeting um, and coffees. So today I am super delighted to welcome one of these amazing people that I had the privilege to run into, literally, at the hotel lobby. And that is Pam Cole, head of bank technology at Bank Tech Ventures. Welcome to the show, Pam. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I didn't. Well, we sort of actually did. We were like a passing ship. I remember Tammy introduced us. You were dashing to the airport, right? I was dashing to the BART station to get the last train for the next half hour so I didn't have to get home in the dark and ride what seemed to be a very sketchy BART ride that evening. Oh, <laughs> God. That I, you I know literally ran by with my suitcase. <laughs> Well, I'm glad at least we got to say hi um, in in person. So um, thanks for joining us today. Now, for our audience who might not be familiar with your journey, can you tell us a little bit about Bank Tech Ventures and what brought you there from Farmers and Merchants Bank of Central California? For sure. So I'll start with a little bit background on who Bank Tech Ventures is. So we're a strategic investment fund backed by over 100 community banks. And we focus on investing in bank-enabling fintech companies. So at this point, we've made over 16 investments and probably will make about 10 to 15 more over the course of the fund, um, just depending on company size. So we're raring to go. Um, and how I actually fell into bank tech is quite the journey. Um, actually, how I accidentally fell into banking in general was, was quite the journey. Um, when I was a senior in college, I was actually studying computer science at the time. And I think it was my last semester. Um, thought I'd go work in Silicon Valley, Bay Area, you know, have those tech developer dreams um, and lived in, in Central California at the time. So I had gotten a random inquiry from FNM Bank saying, you know, our CIO saw your resume, was interested in interviewing for this role. And at first I was like, is this real? Is this fishing? Like, where, what was going on here? So, you know, having been from the same city that the bank was located, I, I was able to find out, yes, it was a real role. Um, ended up going and interviewing, thought it would just be, you know, some practice for when I go and get my <laughs> big girl adult job in the Silicon Valley. So I'm like, you know, it can't hurt. What's, what's the worst that could happen is I'd have a bad interview experience. Um, went in, interviewed, thought it went okay. Surprisingly, was made an offer a few weeks later. And then I thought, well, I'm in my senior year of college. You know, I like hanging out with my friends. It's great to have like some pocket money. So why not do this part time, you know, while I'm still in school? I'm going to graduate soon. Let's, you know, let's do it. And ended up working there part time for a few months. Actually, really thriving and, and learning a lot. Um, it was definitely different from what I was learning day to day, you know, in, in computer science, um, as it was very specifically fake technology that I was working with, um, very different from what I was learning at the time. So thought it, you know, maybe it'll be like a short term learning opportunity. Um, but honestly, ended up thriving there. I was, you know, doing really well, getting great reviews, getting promotions, et cetera. So was there for quite a while. It's, it's the it's the typical fell into banking accidentally and I'm still here story. So 
Um, you know, eventually though, got to a point where I felt like I wasn't really having much growth on the tech side anymore and really felt disconnected from what my true passion was, which was technology. So um, I think through this experience that I had at f and I was really introduced to the fact that community banks across the nation are, are really conservative and cautious when they're investing in technology and when they're implementing technology. And I wanted to change that. So, you know, I was looking for what's the next thing I could do. Where can I go where I feel like I can contribute and still learn at the same time and be exposed to new things? Um, ended up randomly seeing a LinkedIn post from Bank Tech um, from Terry Ransom, our managing director. We ended up chatting on LinkedIn at I think 10 p.m. at night one night. <laughs> we chatted for a few weeks online. And then we had what I think was my first official interview. Um, and I think I knew almost instantly that Bank Tech was the place I wanted to be. All the conversations that I had were very casual and friendly and, and really just like chatting with old friends about banking and technology, where we thought the industry was headed, um, you know, some of my background, but really like what did we see the vision of this industry becoming? Um, and I think, I guess we were in alignment and that honestly, I think I met every single Bank Tech team member before I was made an official offer which I found unique and really telling about the culture that they were trying to intentionally build on the team. Since we are all distributed and we are such a small team, I think the cohesiveness of the team and how we interact with each other needs to be more intentional um, and productive than if we were at like a large corporation or in a small room where we could talk often and, and you know just have casual conversations often. What we do now, we have to be a lot more intentional about what we're trying to do. Um, and I actually think I was employee number five uh, out, of, out of 10 that we have now. Um, and this might surprise some people that know me that <laughs> I'm very cautious and, and not a huge risk taker. But when I actually joined the team, I didn't have an official job title. There was no job description. It was very, we're going to make this as we're going along. And, you know, I kind of had the opportunity to build out what is now our activation team. Um, based on my own experience and conversations that we had with our limited partner banks and our portfolio companies um, to really figure out what kind of resources and products they all needed to help enable them to invest in our tech companies with the least friction possible. So that's a little bit of the background of how I accidentally ended up in banking and then bank tech. <laughs> I like that story. You are the second person I talked to this week that said they fell into banking. And I myself as well, because my background is tech. I spent 15 years in tech. Um, I never thought I would do anything that has to do with fintech and banking, because to me, it's such a different industry to what I'm used to. So I totally hear you. I love that. I, I had no idea you guys are that small. Somehow I thought you were much bigger team because you're doing so much. Um, so kudos to you. That's almost like joining a new startup, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's really small. Definitely. Yes. And then we joke amongst the team that, you know, if we're on vacation for a week or two, we'll come back and it's like the company's moved on, like it's been three months and it's, it's like playing catch up where I think traditionally in banking, you kind of have like this is what we need to accomplish this month of the year. Like, this is what we need to accomplish this quarter. So, you know, if you're out for a week or two, not much has changed overall. But, you know, in this 
in this essentially what is a startup, you know, within, within our team, you are gone for a few days and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> yes, yes. But that's the fun part. I, yeah. I like you say that, you know, you're able to, to shape um, what the team needs to do, right? The direction, all of that, that is, that is amazing. And that's a great opportunity to actually put your vision in place. So tell me a little bit more about the portfolio companies that you guys work with. Yeah, so I'll touch on two, which are two of our most recent investments. First, um, it's the team at Vero Technologies, led by John Mizzy. Um, they actually offer a robust end-to-end wholesale financing platform that banks can use to either establish work and financing programs um, or support their existing financing programs. So this would be for dealers of manufactured goods, um, like floor pan financing, manufactured goods, RVs, auto, et cetera, et cetera. So their platform um, can be used by banks to either managing their existing portfolio or they could be used as outsourced lending as a service offering. Um, and actually, they allow banks to either expand their coverage of local businesses. They can help acquire new business banking relationships amongst the new dealer community. Um, the bank can offload, offload their inventory financing operations or they can help deploy capital to new high-yield uh, high credit partners. So that's Vero. Um, and then second, Revio, which is actually just announced today. Um, they are revenue-enabling. They offer customer insights uh, based on the bank's core processing data. So they offer uh, actionable opportunities and growth strategies for community banks and help provide personalized engagement. To help increase revenue and deposits, um, they'll help equip your relationship managers, your sales team, your executives of an understanding of where they should invest their efforts to help with customer satisfaction, retention, cross-selling, lifetime value, etc. So very excited about that. Just announced that one today. I, I think I saw that. Um just right before we we started talking so congrats that's amazing um i do want to ask you something it's been circling around for quite a while now i I remember oh quite a few years ago there was a lot of talk about you know fintech eating the incumbents lunch and then there was well you know big tech a lot of talk about the amazon of banking etc etc fast forward about eight to 10 years in now, um, do incumbent financial institutions still look at fintech startups as a competition? I would think that's different because we sort of need each other, isn't it? I think it's very different now. I think the type of fintechs out there have changed a little bit. And I think that's based on regulations, that's based on you know experience in the market, that's based on the reliability and trust and stability of banks in general um, and the relationship that consumers and, and businesses have with those individuals. So I think there's actually a few different types of banks or types of fintechs out there as we see them now. I think there's bank competing where they might be challenging the banks for deposits or loans. Um, there's bank enabling, which is, is the, the significant amount of ones that we invest in. So they might be assisting in process improvement or efficiencies or help offering new products that you might not have um, the ability to offer. Um, and then there's big partnership type syntax where they're offering white labeled services. For example, uh, one of our portfolio companies, Perpago, um, allows banks to offer credit cards to their uh, uh, 
virtual credit cards to our customers. So I think there's different types of fintechs now. Um, and those that have followed the industry recognize the difference. And I don't think that stigma of, you know, fintechs are going to break big banks is really there anymore. I think banks have more or less learned how to either partner with or leverage their fintech relationships to help grow their own bank. Um, and it's kind of a self-fulfilling, you know, prophecy of, of success all around. Yeah, I, I like that because I think each party brings a slightly different angle, right? They bring different to the something different to the table. And it's good that we are working together because it, in the end of the day, it benefits customers, be it consumers or small business. So that's a good thing. Um, I am very curious to see what direction some of the tech companies will go, though, especially Apple. Um, I'm watching it like intently because... I love Apple. I loved Apple products, um, you know, even long ago. And now with what they offer with the savings account, with the credit card, with the wallet, all of that, it's just, it's so convenient. It's really hard not to like them. Um, and at the same time, I still have my primary bank, which is a big bank. I still have a couple of different fintechs that I use for different purposes. So I, I do think the interesting thing looking at the industry is the way we consume services have changed. Um, so it opens up opportunities for different people to do something different. Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, the Apple products have definitely been popular in the younger generations where this is like their full service. You know, they have the Apple card, they have all the Apple products. Um, that makes it a lot easier for them to join on whatever the next phases of the Apple life cycle. So I think that's really something that the banks need to keep an eye on of how to make it easier for the next generation of customers, not just consumer, but small business as well, how to make it easier for them to be a customer, to stay a customer. Because um, Apple is ingrained in everybody's lives at this point, whether you like it or not. Um, so that, that's, you know, that's, that's going to be a hard one to compete against. That's definitely a bank competing <laughs> type of I know tech offering they're, they're providing there. Yep, agree, agree. Um, so let me ask you this. You do work with quite a bit of fintech and fintech founders um, and community banks. So you're kind of like sitting in the middle, orchestrating all of these relationships and, and solutions. If you were to give a few words of advice for a fintech founder looking to work with community banks. What would that be? Because oftentimes we hear people decide, oh, you know, the cycle is so long and they are so conservative. They didn't, you know, they're treading really carefully and slowly. What would you tell them? Yeah, so a few things there actually, because this is the conversations that I have with our portfolio on a daily basis. So I don't think I mentioned, but in my role, I work with our portfolio companies to help them become more bank ready, help them understand exactly this is how to go through the bank sales cycle, how to work with the bankers, how to talk banker, you know, essentially. Um, that's, that's the small part of, of, of all that goes on that goes with managing the portfolio. But um, so I'll give two pieces of advice. One is know your audience. I think too often I see founders, hopefully none of ours, pitching, <laughs> pitching through the lens of community banks are outdated. They have outdated, you know, old technology, et cetera. But really, that's not a productive conversation. I think that 
um, you know, instead of going in of with telling us your process of how can a bank partner with you to take their processes to the next level, how they can, you know, how they can support what the bank is doing today and help them do it better, not necessarily how the bank is doing it wrong. Um, I think that's a that's the key of of starting that relationship on the right foot. Um, I'm totally a proponent of we rise by lifting others. So, you know, the relationship building is my second point. The relationship building aspect of, of the bank relationship is number one. That's, you know, essentially you need to build the trust and that might take six months or nine months. And I think we as bank tech are, you know, recognizing that as well um, as we build those relationships with our limited partner banks is that it takes some time and trust and assurance of, you know, this is the right partner for us. You know, show them your wins. Show them, you know, how successful you've been with other banks. Introduce them to banks that you're working with that are going really well. You know, that's that's been one of the key things that we do for our portfolio companies is connect interested banks with other banks that that, that company is already working with and help them be a point of reference. It's, it's really all about the relationship building in community banks. Um, I think everybody knows everybody, and that's kind of how you and I got introduced as well <laughs> through this very, very tight-knit, small FinTech community bank network where the relationships are number one. So be nice to each other and have good relationships. <laughs> I can't agree more. Be nice to each other. Gosh, um, I can repeat that for people every single day. Like, please, first rule of thumb, do not burn your bridges. Second rule of thumb, do not burn your bridges. Just be kind because this is a small world, right? You might think that you are in such a position that you don't need someone else, but trust me, you will. And, um, and this is, it is such a tight knit group. It is such a small group and it has so many Oh, personalities. <laughs> so it's, um, it's, it's, it's often really interesting to, to watch, but, um, there are so many smart people. That's what I love. Like so many smart people. Um, and sometimes they just stay in the background. So find them and lift them up and help each other out. Right. Exactly. Yep. Um, so now let's switch gear a little bit. We cannot talk about anything without talking about gen ai i feel like that's what like literally office in the last oh six months or so or maybe eight months every single conference i've been to there are generative ai sprinkled everywhere everyone is talking about gen ai um everyone thinks oh this is so cool this is so interesting but maybe i'm old Maybe I'm too conservative. I often feel like, well, you know, it's fun, it's sexy, but it doesn't mean that you should jump straight to it. Of course, we should try it and see how it works. But at the end of the day, you know, we are in a regulated industry. We are moving money. And, and, and if you do make a wrong move, for example, not being careful, just like what Lita said, um, she posted quite a while ago. She said, if you're not reliable, you are liable. Right. We are in the business of, of accountability. So I'm curious to see, to hear what your thoughts are and um, what are the community banks thinking about? Yeah. So this has obviously been a hot topic for us as well as we, you know, 
bring in fintech companies through our pipeline. Um, something that we're approaching cautiously but optimistically, I think. Um, personally, I think AI will strengthen community bank processes at a level they really haven't been able to achieve before. Um, I think it'll allow them to use their employees to do what community banks do best, which is the relationship building, as I mentioned, um, by having to spend less time on manual processes and cumbersome, you know, processes. So um, I think as we look at AI-enabled technology, one, we have to consider what the regulations around that are going to be. We can't be, you know, making credit decisions based on generative AI decisioning processes that haven't been reviewed and vetted. I think a lot of banks and bank processes are human in the loop type, um, you know, automation. So there's still some kind of human interaction there, even if you're using AI to help make decisions. There's still a manual human intervention that needs to happen to some extent. Um, Obviously, that would be for credit decisioning, et cetera. Um, but I think there are easier things that banks can implement, such as, you know, put in large policies and procedures documents and have it spit out what are some, what are some key topics that you should understand if you're not able to, you know, summarize it in a quick way. What are, what are the three things your new employee that just joined to understand about your policies and, and, you know, highlight that for them. So I think there's ways that generative AI can quickly and easily be used by banks today. And I think there's other things, like I mentioned, the credit decisioning, um, that is going to take some time for the industry and the regulators to figure out what's going to be the sweet spot there um, and what is everybody going to be comfortable with. So I think approaching it cautiously but optimistically is, is the way to go. And I think that's, that's kind of in line with what we're doing as well. Um, but, but definitely looking at companies where they're making AI-enabled decisioning, AI-enabled, you know, data analysis, help provide, you know, actionable insights based on AI, ML. Um, that, that's really the next generation of, of technology that the banks are going to need is helping with the decision-making of here's what I have going on at my bank. Here's my balance sheet. Here's what I'm struggling with. What should I do next? What are, what are the other banks doing? What's been you know, what's worked well for the other banks without having to go ask the other banks, you know, data pools and data lakes that provide that information that the bank can tap into and use some kind of generative AI to help make decisions that, that help. You brought up an interesting point about credit decisioning because that's one of the things that we often struggle with. Um, especially with regards to who do we lend to? How much credit can we extend for them? How do you assess risk? Because there are two fields, right? One is looking back at the data is based on history. And we know how fraud our history could be. Um, and also looking towards the future, right? The way that we work is so different. How do we account for the growing gig economy? How do we account for, you know, people that are doing things that are so different than what we used to have? Um, you know, that was one of the things we started looking at, you know, what about all the people that are creating assets in the digital world, people that are creating games and, and it's not a small industry, right? It's billions of dollars. And I am looking at my kids and they spend so much money in it every single year. What would you like for Christmas present? Robux. What would you like for birthday present? Robux. 
that, that, that money goes somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And those people that create all of these assets, they're different than how typically people earn a living. So how do we account for all of these things is, is really, really interesting, um, scary, but opportunity. So yeah, there's definitely been a shift in how data moves and money moves with Venmo and Apple wallets and Apple savings accounts and all of these other things. And like you mentioned, Roblox and, and things like that. So um, definitely a shift in perspective is coming and, you know, should be considered as banks are hiring their new executives, as they're building out boards. Um, I think further expertise in these areas is going to be critical for, for long-term success of, of banks. Yep. Agree. So before we close, looking ahead, what gets you the most excited? And if there's one thing you would like to be able to change, what would that be? So I'll start with what gets me most excited. The, the nerd in me is going to come out here for sure. Um, so like I mentioned, I'm very, very interested in learning more about how banks can um, use predictive analytics and um, gain actionable insights from that. I think that's just the most invaluable tool a bank could possibly have because we are limited to what we know. And, you know, in my role as well, something like that of, you know, here's where I am, here are some recommendations of what you might be able to do next is, is this invaluable information and data um, and expertise that, that we would not have been able to tap into without some of the cool new technology that's coming out. So I'm, I'm very interested in keeping an eye on, on what comes out in there. And actually the bank tech team casually tests out you know, AI tools and, and things like that, just to, just to be in the know and just to see how we can improve our own efficiencies, um, our process efficiencies within bank tech. So very excited to continue on that route. Um, and then I think if there's one thing that I'd be able to change and it's totally not going to be FinTech or banking related, this is going to be my own personal, <laughs> as a mom of a young, you know, young child that's not school aged yet, it's just, I wish that just the world was more supportive and, you know, that village that I think we all thought we would have when we have children, you know, existed still. I think it's been much more difficult to find what is the village. I think that looks so different now where, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, it was your parents and your siblings and your family. I think that has shifted a little bit. So, you know, I've had childcare issues throughout the course of my time with Bank Tech and I felt like my team was extremely supportive in that and, and, you know, everybody worked very well together and, and making sure that I could still keep afloat. Um, and I think we need more of that in the world. We need more support among colleagues and understanding and, and friends. And I think just creating that village, even if it needs to be virtual of, of a support system for, for moms, for dads, for guardians and parents and all of the above, I think is, is going to be critical for, I think, even just the economy in general and, and how that plays out over the next 10, 15 years. So that's a very selfish and personal ask of mine <laughs> um, as the only person on our bank tech team with young children. Um, but I think that just goes back to everybody should be nice to each other and, and be understanding of, of <laughs> what everybody else is going through. So. I, I can't agree more. And I don't think that's a selfish because there has been so many reports that came out that said 
had we have a more supportive infrastructure in general, right? Solving childcare, solving elder care, family care in general, we would have been more productive as a society. You wouldn't have to have the struggle you had. I took a year and a half off because I had no idea how to deal with a young child. Um, I grew up in a very different society. When Where I grew up in, in Hong Kong, it was so easy to get help. And, you know, I, I look at my friends, they looked at me, they're like, I don't understand. I'm like, I don't understand. You guys, it cost a quarter, like 25% of how much I need to pay for my nanny. And they got help for six days a week live in. And then I looked at us, I'm like, oh my God, no wonder women struggle because there's so much you need to do. If you want to stay at work full time, you need to have a very supportive partner. If you're lucky, you still have, even when you get home, you still have everything you need to do, the cooking, the cleaning, the, you know, playing with the kids, helping with the homework and taking them back and forth. All of that takes time and it's exhausting. And not to mention if you have parents at home living with you or the parents that you need to care for, all of that takes time and it takes resources and energy and attention away from, you know, what other things that we could have been doing. So absolutely agree um, for my kids' sake and um, and for all of us, men, women, doesn't matter what gender, um, I, I think we do need more help. And I am happy that at least you have a supportive um, team that is that makes a world of difference. Yes, and I am very privileged that my husband is very supportive and, you know, supports my career and my ambitions. But sometimes I wonder, I'm like, how much more could I accomplish if I just was never stressed out about childcare? Exactly, right? I look at where I am now and I'm like, what, you know, what are my aspirations for the next five or 10 years when my son finally goes off into school and I can, I can just, you know, be free. <laughs> Yes, yes, at there is for light. <laughs> for half a day, there's light at the tunnel, I can tell you that. Um, I do enjoy my half a day, as long as there's no random middle of the day you need to show up for something. Um, yeah. that, that's, that's always helpful, but is, is a challenge, but is a joy. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting world and it gives you a different perspective of, like you said, what else could you be doing? if you had more help. Um, so but, personally know. though, I feel like having become, um, I know we're digressing, but having become a mother and having that young child to take care of has made me much more empathetic towards our portfolio founders and understanding of their struggles. And I feel actually very emotionally invested in all of our companies. Um, I'm sure some of my founders can attest for, <laughs> attest for that of, of just the bond and connection. I, I feel personally responsible for you know, the success of their companies. I know, you know, many of them have families and, and some, for some of them, the company is their child and that's, that's where they're putting their energy into. And I, and I feel like I need to do whatever I can to the best of my abilities and to the best of our bank tech team to help them succeed in that, because that's what I'd want for my own family and for my own children and for myself of, of if I'm entrusting somebody to be a part of my network, to be a part of my community, that they'll bring their best self forward and that they'll, you know, support what I need. I love that. I don't think I could have said it better. You, you have basically summarized why we need more women leaders and why we need more people like you 
so that we can be more empathetic to other human beings. Um, I will be the first to admit that I think until I had my kids, right? I, I was working in, in, in the tech environment and I had a huge team and most of the people in my team were men. And it didn't dawn on me until after I had my son and I, and I struggled, you know, we struggled with trying to find care um, to the point where I had to quit. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is why, because we can't find affordable help for women. And so they had to change where they work and how they work. And all of that becomes setback, right? The women end up earning less. Um, we end up taking more breaks and that reduces the social security. It reduces the financial security as we get older, it, it cascades. Um, so yes, again, to more help, but yes, again, to more women leaders so that we can make the world a better place. <laughs> See, here you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Pam. Love the conversation. Um, sorry, we only had a chance to run into you there in the lobby, but I look forward to actually properly meet you in person next time. I'm sure we'll run into each other on another lobby real soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and for the rest of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of One Vision. We will talk to you all next week.